Welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Podcast. We're a real community of people who are passionate about pursuing God and growing in our relationship with Him. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit northridge.org.au. Well, hi everyone. <clears throat> Sorry. Before I begin, I'd like to say how grateful I am to God that I'm part of this Northridge community. I've been coming here now for about 16 years, and I love it. I was brought up in a working-class home in the valleys of South Wales, UK. I had a twin sister, not identical, and a brother who was nine years older. We didn't have much money, but despite the ups and downs, we knew we were loved. And Mum and Dad did what they could to make our childhoods happier than theirs had been, for both of them had suffered childhoods marked by grief, tragedy, and poverty. It was Mum who sent my sister and I to Sunday school at a liberal Methodist church. Dad never went to church, and Mum very, very occasionally. Two significant things happened in our mid-teens. We both, my sister and I, left school just after our 15th birthday and took office jobs to help with the family income. And the other thing for me was a year or two later, there was a Youth for Christ rally in our local town hall. And that night, I had a very significant experience of being scrubbed clean all over as I went forward and gave my life to Christ. <laughs> Unfortunately, my decision wasn't met with enthusiasm at home. In fact, if I remember correctly, I was told I'd made a fool of myself. But I don't think either my parents or I understood the significance of what I'd done. And since there was no one to help me to understand, slowly that night became irrelevant. In my late teens, and thoroughly bored with office work, I persuaded my parents I wanted to be an actress. So, um, I yeah, and so I got a very, very meager government grant and for two years studied at College of Drama. Um, <laughs> my only claim to fame there was to play the whale in Jonah and the Whale. Because <laughs> there was a lack of guys on the course. I hated it, I absolutely hated it. Up in the gods with a microphone, oh, it was terrible. Anyway, after drama school, I was 21 and very ambitious, but totally insecure deep down. I moved to London, and I got a job as a typist, maybe naively thinking it would lead to bigger and better things. But my insecurities prevailed. After a while, I said goodbye to the BBC and the boring typing job, and for the next four and a half years, as a total atheist, I traveled all around the world as an air stewardess with British Airways and had lots of adventures. <laughs> but I also learned to drink and smoke and swear. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Nevertheless, way back then, I think I was a bit of a babe. And to quote Elizabeth Elliot, these days I think it takes me twice as hard 
twice as long to look half as good. <laughs> but when I was in my mid-twenties, I met the man of my dreams on a blind date. John Anthony Harding was very Aussie, very handsome, very smart, and very wonderful. And we fell in love. And when we got married, I think I was the happiest woman on the planet. In due course, and still living in London, we had two beautiful baby boys. And I loved being a mother. But I've got to say, with John working long hours as an eye surgeon, sometimes, there were many times, when I felt quite lonely and isolated. I had a lot of time to think, and at that time, the IRA were, dro the IRA were dropping bombs, it was not dropping, but leaving bombs at tube stations near where we lived, and it, it was quite scary. But I think it was the beginning of a long, long search for the answers to the many questions I was beginning to have about the meaning and purpose of life. When the boys were two and a half and seven months, we came to Australia to live. We came by ship. And by then, my spiritual search had intensified. I remember praying a very fervent prayer on the bowels of that boat. God, if you're really there, please show yourself to me in Australia. Well, about a year later, a new friend invited me to go to a morning tea to hear a lady talking about a Bible study called Bible Study Fellowship, which some of you would know about. And I was keen to hear what she had to say. The lady whose home it was and who spoke was warm, welcoming, vibrant, and passionate about her faith. And I can remember thinking, whatever it is she's got, I want it. Well, I studied the Bible over the next five years, and I didn't find studying easy, and I still don't. But God answered that passionate prayer I had prayed on the boat. And slowly, very slowly, I came to know Jesus as my living, loving Lord and Savior. And as I read the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, and the many promises they contained, for me, it was like a giant jigsaw puzzle coming together. And I remember during those years, my two young sons came to me separately to tell me they wanted to invite Jesus into their hearts. They still have Jesus in their hearts. Also, during that time, and with many people praying, John, my beloved husband, was dramatically converted. And I wish I, had, I could tell you how that happened, but I don't have time. Well, once I came to know the truth, I was unstoppable. I wanted everybody, especially my family, to know the joy and the hope that I had found in coming to know Jesus. I started praying in earnest for my family overseas. And you know what God did? He brought my, he brought my twin sister, her husband and two children, and my mum and dad to live in Australia. Within a week of my sister living here, she gave her life to Jesus. And a few years later, I had the privilege of leading both my parents to faith in Christ. My dad, very shortly before he died at the age of 81, had a dramatic conversion, and my mum a year or two later. Just to finish, 
I'd like to read, and <laughs> Maria led me a book this week, and it's um, amazing, Children and the Supernatural by Jennifer Toledo, for those of you interested in children. Um, but in the introduction to the book, Jennifer says this, May we all become students of the undiluted gospel. It's not just about the young encountering God. It's about a whole generation of people on the earth being awakened to the reality of who he is. God revealing himself to the young and old alike so we can see him with the right lenses. He is good. He is faithful. He is fun. He is kind. He is powerful. He is involved. And he is so in love with us. May we all become students of the undiluted gospel. I say amen to that. Oh. Stay here, Anne. How good was that? Oh. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for Anne and for the words that she's just given, Lord. And Father, I just ask that... Uh, Oh, the picture I get in my mind, Anne, is, is like the Lord, uh, it's like he's taken uh, a little gem of yours and he's, he's, he's put it away, um, <laughs> hidden it away as one of his, uh, just a, a loving father, just adoring over his daughter. So, Lord, I just thank you for Anne and that story and the encouragement that it brings for all of us. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Amen. Thanks. Better turn this off. I was going to say, Anne, would you like to turn your microphone off? Awesome. Thank you, Anne. Beautiful. Drew. So Drew is going to be the second one sharing with us this morning. Now, for some of you who've been around at our family service, he might look slightly familiar. If you were here for an activity service, there was a wise man, an angel, and an innkeeper. Oh, you look quite different without all your paraphernalia, actually. I feel naked. <laughs> it's okay, you're not. Um, so Drew and lovely Brooke and their two little girls have been with us for about 18 months. 18 months. Um, we got to know them through Soul Survivor um, and Drew and Brooke behind the scenes have been helping us with our family services and are putting those together. And So it's wonderful to hear your story this morning. So would you mind just uh, putting forward a hand and I'm going to pray for Drew. Lord, we thank you so much for Drew. We thank you for his story, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done in him. And Father, I just pray that you be with him as he shares this morning. Lord, that he would know that it's your words. That you would open our hearts to hear what it is that you want us to hear. Through him, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Bon. Well, I'm also... Super grateful to be here and to have the opportunity to share. I've been on stage quite a few times, but as Bonnie mentioned, um, usually not myself. This is actually the first time I'll be sharing my story, so hopefully we go okay. Apparently, fingerprint ID doesn't work when your hands are really sweaty. So. <laughs> cool. All right, so before I start, I need to come clean. When I'm playing just myself, by playing I mean being, um, I have what I like to call sporadic microphone confidence. And simply put, in one sentence, 
I will be like Billy Graham, where I'll say this and this, and I'll be super confident. And then in the next, I'll be a bit like Yoda, where my sentences will be backwards and you won't really understand. And following that, I'll be like Dory from Finding Nemo, where I'll be, where am I, why am I here, what's happening? So as long as we're all aware that that might happen. So a bit about me. All right, I'm 29. I'm married, as Bon mentioned. I've got two kids, two years and seven months. I work officially as a project manager, but at heart, I'm a photographer. It's a skill I studied for three years down in Canberra in my early 20s. I like cooking. I like food. Uh, I, don't even, I don't mind washing up as well, despite the stereotype. I like getting outdoors. I like driving cars, bits that go on cars, car noises, looking at cars, looking at cars some more. I guess I like boats as well. We'll all know I get a look in. But recently... I've been washed with a new love, and this is kind of uh, a brand new love, and that's for my family. And it seems unstoppable. I can't control it. It's not, it's not going away, and it just gets bigger every day. But it's overtaking everything except for my relationship with Jesus. I mean, they're intertwined, obviously, in a pretty complex way. Uh, but my love for God has changed the most dramatically than, uh, than any other part of my life, um, which in, in a moment after I prattle on for a bit, hopefully you'll come to appreciate. Um, and of course, this relationship, I believe, wouldn't be as strong or it might not even exist if I hadn't been dragged along to church. Now, getting dragged along to church isn't exactly an invite, is it? I was kind of, you know, by the year sort of thing. Um, but I want to talk a bit about how this came to happen because I think it's an important part of the story. I had my mum to look up to. Um, my dad left when I was two or, or maybe I was five. It's pretty unclear and the photographic evidence is also inconsistent, but it doesn't matter because my mum raised myself and my two brothers for 20-something years. She plays a key role because, spoiler, she was the one who was invited back to church. I'm going to go back again, okay, but... We can, yeah, we can use our brains. We're here. Um, I say back because my mum was a pastor's kid. Her father was a pastor at the Churches of Christ in somewhere on the northern beaches, also unclear, but uh, she, was, she was raised in the church. Up until her dad, as a bit of a sad story, her dad had an affair and was shunned by the church, and mum's little family kind of disintegrated into some really toxic relationships. Relationships that we're still de dealing with today. Mum retained a few Christian values, a few. Um, for example, she was married in September of 1984 and my brother was born February of 19 following year. Now, I'm not going to comment on that, I'm not judging her or anything, but it's safe to say that when we were growing up from naught to eight years old, I didn't really know a God existed. I did, it wasn't mentioned in our household. This all changed when mum was invited to church by a good friend and being a single mum, she picked up her three kids and shoved them through the door. Just like my when I share my testimony um, with people, there's no real moment. Mega Christian Tarzan didn't swoop in and sort of make us all evangelists. Um, it's a lot messier than that and I distinctly remember disliking almost everything there was about church as an eight-year-old. I didn't like the smell. I didn't like the weak cordial. I didn't like the biscuits. <laughs> the people who talk up here were the most boring I'd ever heard. 
I always would just bring my colouring book, sit between the chairs and just colour in cars and dinosaurs. Kids' church was no better. They didn't have anything with wheels. Um, They had a little track that sort of weaved in and out of the garden and presumably you're just meant to walk along it without scooters, without anything. I mean, it just seems so inefficient to me. I was just like, what's the point? It's illogical. I don't remember striking up any conversations with kids my age either, but it was an invite invite that my mum got and an invite which even at 10, I noticed, made a dramatic change in mum's life. She went on into transforming into one of the strongest people I know. I mean, she had lots of baggage. She had a lot of it. Uh, But now I can see, 2020 hindsight, that God was relieving her of all this baggage. And she she was becoming the mother that she was always meant to be. Reflecting now, um, I want to take note of something for me. There was no single invite. There was no eye-opening sermon. Sorry, pastors. Sometimes it happens. Um, Through my teen years, church was a part of my life. Um, But it wasn't my pillar. I didn't know God. I was learning about God, but I didn't know him. Years had passed since the first days of being dragged along. I was a teenager and I could say no, but I didn't because there was a problem. I'd finally made friends and those pesky, goody, two-shoes people at church would always invite me back. You coming next week, Drew? You coming next week? It's like, oh, I guess so. (laughs) By the time I was 16, I had an after-school job just up the road from my local church. It was Drill Baptist, many of you know it. I remember I'd ride my bike to work from 4 to 6.30, and then I'd ride from work to church, and I'd be about 40 minutes late to youth group. This behaviour sort of sounds like someone who's in love with God, but I wasn't. I was doing it because my mum had found something in church, so I thought, well, there's got to be something here. And there were girls at church as well, which helped. (laughs) Honestly, I think the reason I was a church girl was was saturation. Mum put me in a Christian school. We went to church on Sundays. I had made friends at, at youth. It just made sense. I remember having a couple moments at church and at school where the person up the front would ask us to have a conversation with God. I get no eye-opener, no sort of -of out-of-body spiritual encounter, but they're important. It's part of my story, and I took them seriously, and it was just God chiseling away. At this point, it's difficult for me to move forward without acknowledging the elephant in the room. It's an elephant in the room for me. You guys are like, what's he talking about? When I was 20, my mum, who was battling cancer, lost her battle, and she died in February 2010. It was about nine years ago. If you haven't picked up, I respected mum a lot. I looked up to her in almost all aspects of life, to the point where 40, 50% of the reason I was at church was because of her. So it isn't wrong to value your parent. It's a good thing, especially when they're exemplifying Jesus. But I didn't have a father. Well, I, I, didn't, I had a biological father who wasn't in the picture, but I didn't have the father on high who I was looking up to. And what this did is it created baggage when mum passed away because it was my pillar. It was my, my stability was gone. There were a few other things that happened that year. Um, 
I'd lost my license, uh, which at 20 is like your independence. I'd left my job uh, because I wasn't at uni. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was just working as a labourer and I'd left it to care for mum. And so after she passed away, I was kind of jobless, didn't have a car, girlfriend lived in the Shire, the worst. <laughs> and my brother also got engaged that year and so we were talking about liquidating the family home. And this was, this was a lot to take on. I wasn't, I was kind of faced with a fork. I was dating a lovely Christian girl, my wife over there, and it kind of felt, I was angry, I was confused. I, I, I kind of knew God, but I wasn't really sure why he was doing all these things. But I'm standing before you today, confident in believing God used every single one of those terrible things for the better. Not, I mean, my brother getting engaged was a good thing, but the liquidating part, that was a bit hard to deal with. I could elaborate on each of those things <laughs> for quite some time, um, but I just want to be clear that in every season, I, I just kept turning to God. And I'm not sure why I kept doing that today. I think it's just because there was this small foundation that had been built up until that point, And it just sort of made sense. It was just like, it was a calling. At this point, I also want to mention some invites that I got to Soul Survivor, as you know, NSLF. During my 20s, I discovered photography as a passion of mine and uh, I still wasn't really too sure how God was going to use that because people say it's a dying trade, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Matt Gelding invited me along to Soul Survivor. I can remember the first soul I did, I got a chest infection, which lasted all of Soul Survivor and three weeks after that. At this point, I was a freelancer and that's really not good to be out of the job for a month just because you got a chest infection at this Christian conference that you weren't even sure about going to. <laughs> but I'd never felt so engaged with the Lord. This was finally something that was just speaking to me, that was, that was so clear, that was the most clear thing. And it all, it all sort of had transpired from these terrible years that I had previously. How God molded me is genuinely humbling. I'm struck by his audacity. Whenever I, I speak to a non-Christian who, uh, at NSLF for example, who uh, challenges you, they, they say, well, how can you believe in a God who does these things? And I think, well, I've got a story for you. But it's, it's, not, always, it's not always well received because not everyone needs hardships to draw closer to God. Everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own way that they, they engage with our Lord. I'm struck by his attention to detail. He doesn't just pull little old me out of a couple tough years. He does it to every single person in this room and according to the Bible, all of humankind, which is mind-boggling. What's more amazing, I think, is that the passion I have for God, which surpasses death, Hardship, joy, new life, dare I say, a five-litre V8 at full tilt. It all transpired from a friend 
inviting a struggling single mum back to church. I'm sure we all know someone like that. And it developed in me in the most unsexy Christian way. Those, those pesky people who kind of are flat and you're just inviting them and you're like, there's nothing there, I'm going to stop inviting them, I'm going to stop talking to them. I don't want to engage with someone who's, who's a nothing person. That was me, I was the nothing person. But persistence, pushing, 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 kept me back, kept me here. So mine isn't a story of how strong I am or how I bounce back or this wide, wise take on rubbish life events. I think it's a story of, of telling people the good news when you have the opportunity. It's the most powerful thing that we have in our toolkit. And I suppose I should, I should finish there. So thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you, Drew. Thank you for being so honest. You didn't do too many meanderings. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's pray for Drew. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for Drew's story. Lord, we want to thank you so much for his mum. Just how precious that is. Thank you for all the people that you put in her life and in Drew's life to invite them to you. Thank you for your persistence with Drew and his mum. Lord Jesus, I thank you just for the demonstration that is of your love and how you chase after us. Father, I pray right now you would fill Drew with your presence. And Brooke, we thank you for them as a family. And thank you, Lord, as well, that you equip him as he fathers his two little girls. Lord, thank you that you give him all that he needs. Thank you for the example that you've been for him and how he gets to change the generations in his family. And so we pray a special blessing over their family. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, mate. Thank you. Um, we have a little bit of time now. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting. We don't always... When we ask people to come and share, we don't always know exactly what they're going to share. But I'm amazed each time just how the Lord is forming and shaping and bringing things together. And, and so we were just thinking it would be great actually to spend a little bit of time this morning praying for family and friends um, who we have maybe been praying for for years to find that freedom and that hope and that place with Jesus. Um, and, uh, yeah, so whether it's family or friends, um, we thought we might do that. Um, we'll probably break up into groups and do that. But before we do that, I just, I'm also conscious, um, I think the Lord is just knocking gently on some hearts this morning, whether that's for you, whether you know <clears throat> you have actually never really opened the door to Jesus or whether you know that you have, but like some of the folk who were sharing this morning, uh, you can sense the Lord saying, it's been a while, it's time to come back. Uh, and I, I just want to give an opportunity to, to pray for you this morning, if, if, if that's where you're at. So I'd like to do that just simply with a simple prayer. We're, we're going to just close our eyes and we're just going to allow the Lord just to minister to us in whatever way he wants to but let me pray for you particularly if that's you and then once I've done that we're going to break into groups and we'll we'll pray together
So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are so persistent with us. And we thank you that your spirit is is just gently knocking on doors. So if um, if you sense him and you'd like to you just pray with me, I'm just going to pray and it, you may want to just say amen as I as I finish. Because we, we want to be opening and responding our hearts to him. So Lord, thank you that you never have given up on me. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and your forgiveness. Lord, I'm sorry I've been away from you or apart from you. And I just receive your love this morning. Thank you that you wash my sin away. And I just invite you again to come in and to have all of me. Lord, I, I want to know your presence every day in my life. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.